Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Russ, I need you to apply all your sweet uh, Instagram story skills to uh, to Lark moving forward. So we need to just have at it, bro. Green light, hundred percent green light. Every little bird that you see, you need a every an Lark story. Yep. Of it. What if dude, what you're telling next- me is you want me to go capture a bunch of these all over <laughs> yep. the country? Yep. Here Lark at Lark, is this is the o- this is the only bird we're into at Lark. <laughs> Oh, it's Lark, free. you guys into it's birds? Free. Dude, <laughs> if we ever do a live question and answer thing and people are like, why'd you name it Lark? Are you into birds? The next picture is just being you just like <laughs> flipping everybody <laughs> off. Like, yeah, we're into birds, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're so into yeah. birds. You just got done listening to us talk for 30 minutes and it got to the Q&A. And the first thing that popped in your mind was, yeah, these dudes are into birds. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. I mean, birds are cool. Don't get me wrong. And God did a fabulous job man with the coloring of them creatures but uh i can't say i've ever spent the day like staring at one god did a good job on them there birds <laughs> that's a beautiful masterpiece right there have i ever seen one <laughs> <laughs> i feel like there's a sketch comedy thing like waiting to happen like rush johnson wakes up early to go bird watching with like <laughs> a bird watching community <laughs> They're all like into it. Like, ooh, I hope I see a, a whispering willowed whippersnapper bird or something. I don't even know, dude. Like, what are the names of some of these birds? And Russ is just like, what the hell is going on here? No, the better sketch comedy would be he lights you. up a cigar. Me, yeah, for sure. I'd be like, better, yeah, this is the better would be you going with the bird watchers and saying, Look, there's a whispering woodpecking whippersnapper bird. See how that's the name that popped in your mind. So I'm impressive. just thinking, I say, like, hey, look at look at look at that robin over there, and they all look at me like, Puh, huh, Oh, you think that's a robin? It's like, Do a you know eagle. anything? <laughs> Here's what I want to know. What in the world happened to us today that caused us to start picking on bird watchers, dude? (laughs) Who knows? Does anybody know how we venture into any of the conversations that we venture into? I don't think they do. I think that's why they like us. I think we just made a bunch of bird watchers upset. If we have a large representation from the bird watching community, Listening in on the Lark cast. I just want to I just want to apologize. Brian's just like, nope, that's not a thing. We don't. They're gone. That's They're gone. Never. They already left. They flew the coop. <laughs> as soon as we, they saw that empty cage for our logo, they were they like, like, nope. Dude, I'm nope. out. Nothing for me to see here. No bird in the cage. Nothing for me to see here. <laughs> oh, and we man. can't get in the habit of apologizing to everybody, right? I mean. All, no. Our podcast is just going to turn into us, us apologizing. <laughs> it's just like the whole thing. It's just the whole podcast. The first half is saying what we want to say, and then the second half is just <laughs> us apologizing. <laughs> We're so sorry that we think and feel this way. We apologize for being honest to you today. <laughs> 
oh, we're working man. our best. We're working our best to become people that we're not and say things that we really don't feel. Oh. <laughs> agree with things that we really don't agree with. Please forgive us. Gain we, your approval. <laughs> please forgive us. We haven't figured out how to live life in this world without saying anything that will potentially offend anyone. Not actually offend someone, but potentially offend someone. Oh, yeah. I love living my life underneath like, right? This uh, hypothetical offense, like yes. the possible offense. Yep. That's a that's a good way to live your life. Yeah. And it gets it gets tricky too, man, because what happens is somebody comes in and you know they throw that empathy card on top of it. Mm. Right. Because even like just right now, like goofing around, just you know, just having fun in light of what really is happening today in the world that we kind of well, that's not kind of we do find ourselves in. Um, that's what happens to me, at least whenever I just sit back and just sort of laugh at myself and everyone else is, uh, well, I'm just trying to be empathetic. Yeah. I'm like empathetic to the hypothetical offense up to everyone. Well, how do you feel about this? Well, I just, I just prefer not to know. Well, how do you feel about this? Well, I I just, right now I'm just in a state of learning. I really don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) Times I've Um, heard that lately. Two. Can you answer this? What what's two plus two? Uh, well, we just we can't assume. Can't assume. And I'm like, oh, well, just out of curiosity. So you can't have an opinion about all of these other things, but you have an opinion about what I'm saying, or just trying to sit back and laugh at it. That you do know. Yeah. And uh, that was like for me, like a big aha moment. Even in getting Lark started, was going, wow. It feels like the the empathy card, even when it comes into play, is ultimately about the approval that you can gain from being silent, not actually the good of others around you. It isn't actually good that you're seeking. It's just your own glory here, which is why mm-hmm. you're opting to just be silent about everything, except the things that the majority of the people who will give you the status and likes that you want, right? Agree with you on those things you'll speak up about. Yeah. And like, and I'm like, come real, on, man, this is, this is, this is lame from the word go. Real learning and real empathy is forged in the fire of friendship and conversation, you know? So if you never put yourself out there, you know what I'm saying? Or even risk, even risk looking stupid or not knowing or being ignorant or whatever, you know, nothing's gained, you know, from that. But I think what you're saying is such a good point about, you know, I think empathy is obviously is a great, it's a great thing. Of course, Um, it's beautiful if it's, if it's true empathy. Right. If it's true empathy. Right. And you have the whole crew that's like facts don't care about your feelings, you know, and I'm just like, oh, I kind of like roll my eyes at that, too. And and obviously we see like in the scriptures, like, hey, bear each other's, you know, burdens. But Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing is like we're blinded by each other's burdens and we're getting like lost in each other's burdens. Yep. We're yeah, burying who we are and how we right. see it in other people's burdens. Yep. And even bur- burying everybody else around them, right? Who might not see it that way yet or don't agree with it at all. Right. And then, of course, you know, the scriptures are also pretty plain about truth and love. And so it's, it's almost like you have one camp that's like truth, you know, period. Love comes maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the other side, you're like, no, man, it's love, man, just love. And Truth's irrelevant. Truth's whatever it needs to be. You know, like, well, if that's the case, then love has no meaning or definition. So you know, I'm just so it's just like, man, it we just vacillate between these two extremes. And yeah, you, you kind of have like a, a sea of confusion and exhaustion and division, right? In the in the in the middle of it. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of fear, a lot of uh a lot of being timid. Timidation, is that is that a word? Ooh. I don't know. That might be like a whole podcast, man. Yeah, for sure. Like a play, well, on, a f- play on intimidation and timid. Timid. You know, well, you can't very... spell intimidation without spelling timid. 
<laughs> Ryan's probably listening right now. He's like, actually, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's, he's spelled it out. I'm giving us a hard transition here because this is a very relevant conversation for us. Not just, yeah. we don't talk about these things in general. We talk about them in very specific terms because we're now um, a week after launching Lark and coming out with the news that we've, you know, transitioned from table network and, you know, we've let yeah. the, the cat out of the bag, or as I've said, the bird out of the cage, like the bird is definitely out of the cage. Um, oh. And um, yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting for us watching people bat uh, this decision around and interact with our name, some of the, um, the messaging, mm. um, some of the, the, the brand visuals. And we have, we, we've had every, every response known to man come at us from, um, critique to excitement to, um, yeah, just what else? Um, yeah, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I could be part of this anymore kind of a thing, you know, everything, everything from love it, hate it. I don't know about this questioning it, yep. um, and all that. So, uh, it was definitely an interesting, interesting week and an interesting week. Yep. I will say, I'm, I'm, I know we talk a lot, so I'm, I feel like I can say this, uh, with you in agreeance, but by far, you know, the, the response has been fantastic. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Overwhelming like excitement and joy and man, I love this. I totally see like where the word table can be a disconnect because it's like the most popular name in church planting right now. Right. And you guys are kind of getting lumped into all this like approach to church that you're really going, yeah, we're free to like do things that way, but you guys have turned this thing into law. Um, so yeah. there's like a whole like movement of house church Nazis right now. And uh, so anyhow, was- you could kind of see, <laughs> right? The imagery that pops in my head when you say that. Oh my gosh, dude. We're going to have so much fun with Lark. <laughs> so, but I'm being serious. No, okay, like we no get lumped into all those track, conversations. They're like, yeah, stay man, finally, you know, somebody, somebody who's doing it right. And we're like, uh, no, yeah, no, uh, we, please never talk to me ever again. I'm going to block you now on all social media because you're weird. Yeah. So I'm just. Again, we're, we're a fan of gathering wherever you like, and we love the beauty and the simplicity of the table, which is why Table Network existed for seven years under that name. Um, but right in light of what we've seen, man, like there is a hindrance to the word table. There's a hindrance to the word network among a lot of the people that we love that we're connecting with where they feel like, is this a multi-level marketing kind of thing? Like what is Table Network? And, and so, you know, you see it and you're like, all right, let's have fun. We're just trying to get really good news out to the world. Yeah. And trying to connect and empower people who want to get really good news out to the world. Mm-hmm. So Lark fits perfect into that, you know, to the first category, Lark Collective, right? Great community for those who want to come jump in. Love that. So the response I felt like was really good, man. A lot of excitement and people really seeing the connections and the reasons and, you know, even like grabbing onto this, saying, man, let's roll. Mm-hmm. But yes, we have had some people who have come with, so what does LARC stand for? Because I know it's an acronym and we're like, um, no, it's, it's not, it's not an acronym. No, but I saw it, like I saw it spelt out and I'm like, it just said L-A-R-K. Yeah, but, but it's an acronym because it's all caps. And I'm like, no, no, it just spelt it in all caps. It just looks cool. There would be a period at the end of each letter if it was an acronym. Like what you're saying right now is why, like in the branding world, you make your table on like this, your 
table of decision makers is very small because <laughs> you get nothing accomplished when there's multiple people in the room. Like, I don't, I don't, I can't tell you how many times I've been a part of like creating cool brands for people. And they're like, dude, love it. Client meeting presentation. Yes. So excited. Next day email. Hey, I showed this to my mom and she like, doesn't like it. Can we <laughs> change like the colors and like the logo? She kind of likes my old thing that I had. And you're like, <laughs> bro. Sorry, am I, I'm am listening I, to what you're I, saying. And I know I that you? you have those meetings and I know you hear that because I've started things over the last 20 years and I've always had people say that. I just thought you did a really good job of that voice impersonation. Oh yeah. No, that was like that. I've never heard. I never had anybody sound like that, but I've heard. Yeah. Say no, that's things. literally how this one dude sounded. Like I could open up a line of credit at that dude's bank sounding like that. Like if I called his <laughs> brand, like his brand general manager at his bank branch, he'd be like, Oh, this is so, this dude. This is exactly this dude. This is Timothy Collin. <laughs> I was just in there yesterday. <laughs> that was good. That was good, man. Yeah, and I feel like I, I don't need this. I don't need the Lark cast really quick to be my not cath- Timothy. Is it? No, it's definitely not. I don't okay. need the Lark cast to be my cathartic, you know, way that I vent on my other, you know, oh, branded sure. stuff. So I'll, I'll I'll peel back on that. But yeah, so the overwhelming response has been good. But there are, there are some there are some people that have some concerns. You know, they have, they have some yeah. concerns. One concern is. Um, uh, the word reckless. We're going to talk about that today. Um, mm. Talking about God's grace as reckless, as love as reckless, as God Himself as reckless, and the other other people are are they're afraid of our our font. They're afraid of our our typeface. Uh, the fact that we used a black letter, a black letter typeface. They're very concerned. They're very concerned that we are going to get lumped in with alt right groups, um, the Third Reich, Hitler. I lo- and I love right back. When, I'm sorry, I tried to say that so seriously. Back when the um, election was going on, the 2020 election. Here, basically, this was my social media feed. You're Hitler. No, you're Hitler. No, uh-uh. <laughs> you're Hitler. No, uh, excuse me. Uh, actually, you're Hitler. You're Hitler. Uh, <laughs> no, you're Hitler. <laughs> it was just like everybody's Hitler. Everybody, everybody. Yep. So, yeah, because, you know, we we, we chose a black letter uh, typeface, which was, you know, the one of the original typefaces created by Gutenberg himself. And the, when the printing press was around and we chose that um, really to tell this juxtaposition of freedom and and religion. And so when people are like, hey, that reminds me of 1920s or that reminds me of old world like you know religion and stuff like that you're like yes thank you that's what we're here trying trying to do yeah. and um yeah so they're like well you know the third reich used that and i'm like well yeah i can send you like 20 hipster brands right now that are also using it so it's like i think kind of like it's open for anybody to use it fully agree man i think the i think the font is is a really awesome piece i think you did a great job dude with you know the other font that we're using it's big it's bold it's bright it's fun inviting and, and i love the juxtaposition between that and this very old you know font that does kind of you know speak to something as beautiful as like the gutenberg press right by which case we have the scriptures in the hands of people all over the world you know through this invention so right there dude if, yeah there's a font tied to that i'm in bro the boldness of taking something that right the catholic regime kept away from everyone 
Yeah. Someone coming along going, no, dude, we're going to put the what God has declared that's been said. Yeah, we're going to actually put it in print and put it in the hands of everyone. Totally. So, yeah, man. When you could tie that together, dude, I'm like, I'm in. And yeah, you do see some people who've done some crazy, stupid things in the world who came along and grabbed that font and used it. But you know what? They also used Time News, you know, Times New Roman. That's in every book that we're all reading right now in every college campus in some other fonts as well. So I'm just saying like, yeah, you can always find some of those things, but I love the juxtaposition, dude. I love the boldness and the fun and how the two come together. And right. So if you're listening in and that was a question for you or a thought that you had, just know we are not neo-Nazis. We, uh, we're not, we're not an alt-right group. Just, we're just going to clarify that right here on on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, in fact, our whole messaging, branding, and everything else that you're going to see on that website is going to clearly state, oh, no, these guys are definitely not. (laughs) Yeah, and for the record, like, the people that reached out, like, they cared about us. Like, you can tell they were definitely writing with, like, a love for us and, you know, all that. Um, But, um, yeah. And I appreciate that. Yes, for sure. I really do. For sure. Because they weren't saying don't do it. They were just saying, hey, man, just something to know. Right. This could potentially happen. But you can definitely tell, like you know, and not just this instance, but all around, like the fruit of call out culture, the fruit of cancel culture. We're so afraid, you know, we're so afraid to be like just associated with, with anything. And like being a racist, like is like the, it's like the sin, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. so it's like, if everything's racist, then what is racist really? Honestly. Right. So, yeah, I think Thomas Sowell said it's basically, uh, you know, become like ketchup. You just put it on everything. (laughs) It's uh, it starts to lose its weight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's sad because there's a lot of other words, you know, that that that's been that's been hijacked as well. Someone said that that's how, you know, you've won an argument with someone right on the left or the right. If the left's like you're a racist and then the right's like you're woke. You know, it's like, yeah, you have nothing more to say. You have no more points. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. I'm that's out. That's it. I'm done. You're racist. You're yeah. woke. Yeah. Yep. That's uh. not only. Mm, yeah. I'm going to leave <laughs> that gonna, one alone. You're going to hold your tongue <laughs> there on that one. All right. We'll, we'll save it. No, I'm so just saying there's so much that you could talk to and unpack there that's actually helpful, but it'll yeah. take us down a whole nother rabbit trail, man. So let's move on to. We're going to move on. This other point that's come up um, from a few people, man, some people who love us and they're in, but they're like, hey, man, what do you mean by this word reckless? You know, like like your taglines, like reckless grace for a religious world. Like, what do you mean by that? And there are some people who have come along and said, hey, um, I love you guys. And I've always appreciated, you know, the ministry that that you guys have here, but I can no longer be a part of this because of the word reckless. Yep. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? So. I thought, you know what, dude, let's get on here, man, and unpack this word because it is a good and beautiful word that was chosen on purpose. Yeah. And I think our heart, just to let people's heart know, like, our, you know, we don't want to jump on here and point fingers or make fun. Like we really want to like pull, pull people in, you know, into sure. the beauty of this good news, into the beauty of this grace. And I think part of discovering its beauty as fallen people is seeing the reckless nature of right god's love and how he chose to to rescue the world so i don't know where you want to start i have a number of different notes and things i want to say but why don't you why don't you kick no, us no. Off? no no you first man no i want you to share i want you to go first on the um uh where the word comes from like where we pulled it okay so the word reckless comes from the word prodigal in other words the word prodigal literally means reckless mm-hmm 
And we see that story in the scriptures in a parable that Jesus told, a very popular parable, a parable that often gets misinterpreted, which is why we have like Good Samaritan hospitals, um, you know, versus what's actually being said in the story. Hint, we're going to be unpacking that in the, in the near future. Right. But for now, we do see this story that Jesus tells. And he tells a story about an older brother and a younger brother. Okay. And they're polar opposites of each other. You have the older brother is basically Mr. Do Right. This is a guy that has everything buttoned up. He's faithful. He's on time. He's constantly working. He, you know, he shows up before the clock starts. He stays after it ends. He does everything that he's supposed to do. He's respectful. He's upstanding. He eats right. He's morally upright. You know what I mean? You can, he's, 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 what is he, man? What else can we say about this guy? He's got his game tight, dude. Tight. Good word. Good word. And then you have the younger brother in the story. The younger brother as I've already said, is the opposite of the older brother. Jesus says this wild-haired young man goes to his father and says, basically, I wish you were dead. Now, when I say that, people are like, the passage doesn't say that. It just goes to his father and says, I want half my inheritance and I want it now. I'm leaving. True. But in that day, this Jewish culture, to go to your father and say, I want my inheritance right now, which is half of what you own, is to wish him dead. Right. Because the only way you get that inheritance is with his death. I don't care about you so much. I just want the stuff I'm going to get when you're dead. That's it. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to be a part of this family. Wish you were dead. Give me half of what you have. And this is a wealthy man. So half is a pretty good deal. So he takes half of his father's givings. Father literally hands it to him and he leaves. Then he goes and squanders it. He's hitting the strip clubs, man. He's renting fancy cars, right? Picking up all the tabs. Yeah, picking up the tabs. Probably got a penthouse suite somewhere, man. He's partying it up. Fun dude to be around for a while. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, oh, this dude's buying? Okay. I'm going to see how long long this gravy train goes for. I can't help it, man. I'm just going to throw this out here because this is the (laughs) Lark cast. But every time I tell this story and I think about this cat, I can't help but think of him as like, for some reason, Kid Rock from like 15 years ago comes to my mind. I think this all dude the people like, you thought of Kid Rock. I think it's like Kid Rock. He's got like a he's got a, an extra large, you know, tank top on. <laughs> he's got that hat, dude. You know what I'm saying? He's got a joint. He's got a midget that's always with him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Throwing parties, hanging out, picking up the tab. Russ, that's who I think of. It's a little person, not a midget. It's a little person. Correct. Someone who is related to a little person. I just want, I feel like I need to correct you on this podcast. So please repent in front of everybody before we move on. <laughs> I'll do a half repent. I'll just, <laughs> I'm just repeating the way Kid Rock was Would you say you would do a little repentance? No pun intended. Yes. Ooh, there you go. There you go. So this little person, or as Chris Rock, when he did stand up, called him a midget, which is where <laughs> I heard that phrase, just to be clear. Um, <laughs> Can't hide behind comedians your whole life. <laughs> can't hide behind comedians. That's dude. How many times have we heard that? So that's the story, man. And you've got this scene, and the long and short is this dude hits rock bottom, man. Mm. He blows through all of his money. He's spent it all on everything that he thought would would bring him pleasure and joy and purpose and meaning in his life, and it didn't deliver. Mm. And he winds up broke, man. Um, so broke that he's living in a pig pen, dude. Yeah. So you've got a wealthy Jewish guy young man who has squandered everything that he's had mm-hmm. which was a lot he was now living with pigs yeah if you understand the jewish culture this is 
Jesus tells this story this way on purpose, man. Yep. It can't so get any worse for this kid. Cannot get any worse. His status as someone living in a pig pen, right, is the ultimate low. Yep. It's the bottom. So he's like, you know what? It was better at my dad's house than here. I'm just going to go home and maybe he'll just let me live there as a hired servant and just work. Mm. So it's got to be better than this. So he heads back I'll start home. from the bottom, work my way back up. He heads home and on his way home, his father sees him and he sees him walking up from far away. And in the story, the way Jesus tells it, Jesus, master storyteller, every word, every detail, never skip through it, man. It's just too good. Jesus says he runs when the father sees the son, he runs to him, dude. We hear that and we're like, okay, his dad ran to him. I, was, I mean, I, today I took my, my little dude to preschool and there was, you know, a dad running down the street. You know, that's normal. Seeing people mm -hmm. run. All right. In Jesus's day, man, a wealthy Jewish man did anything but run to someone. Right. All right. This dude takes off and greets his son. And before his son can even get an apology out of his mouth before his son can even get his re rehearsed confession of, I can't believe I did this. I'm so sorry. Uh, if I can do A, B, and C, yeah. yeah. Will you let me live here? Before he can ever say a single word, his father greets him, hugs him, welcomes him, puts a coat on his back, puts his ring on his finger, puts his shoes on his feet, man. In other words, he puts on a public display, okay? A public declaration, an announcement to everyone seeing. Son, not only are you welcome here, not only do you belong here, but everything that you had here, you now have again hmm. with the sign of this robe, with the sign of these rings and with the sign of these shoes, half of what I now have is yours again. Mm. Come on, man. Preach, preach. Welcome, welcome home, bro. It's, it's like, it's, it's mind blowing when you think about it. So here's where the story takes twist. The older brother, Mr. Do right. He looks at this scene and he's like, hell nah. Because the way Jesus tells the story is the dad, after he welcomes the son, says, kill the fattened calf. The, Take the best that calf. I've got. Yep. The fattened calf. The best one that we've got in that field. Like the Ohio State University. No, no, no. Let's not go that far. I'm just saying in terms of a phrase, you know what I'm saying? Like the fattened calf. Yeah. Like the Except prize this calf. one, this one actually delivers on the the part. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I forgot. All to, our Ohio State fans I, I was, are I was extremely angry at me right now. <laughs> I forgot I was talking to a Southerner that yes. uh, is very passionate <laughs> about college football. But, but proceed, proceed, proceed. So he he throws a party. My son is home. He was lost, but now he's home. Get the fatted calf and let's throw the party of all parties and celebrate. And dude, the older brother will have no part in it, man. He's pissed. He's not dude. happy. And so he's so pissed. He won't even go into the party. He stands outside of the party. Mm -hmm. He's welcome there. He's invited there. He he's belongs there. He's, he's a, a son. son. And he's been invited to come rejoice. Okay. In the rescue, the redemption, right. Of his younger brother. But instead he's like, uh, -uh. Mm -hmm. and he's standing outside and Jesus goes out to him. And he's like, what, you know what? Jesus tells the story. The father goes out to him. Like, what, what are you doing? Your, your brother's home. And the story ends with this younger brother on the outside, arms folded saying, no. Nah. I have no part in this. I've done this. I've done that. I'm the one that's been here. I'm the one that's kept all that was supposed to be, you know, that we were supposed to do. I'm the one that's, that kept all the rules in a sense. I didn't do right? the reckless thing. I wasn't foolish. I've been in your home. I've done everything you've ever asked me to do. And you haven't even given me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Yep. Screw this. I'm not here for this. Yep. You have not rewarded me for all the things that I did. And yet here you are throwing a party for this guy. Yeah. Right. And the story ends there. Now, here's the catch. Somewhere along the line, people named that story that Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son. Focusing on the younger. Yep. 
Correct. Neglecting the older. Correct. Which probably plays into because that mean that's an extremely popular parable that's been told right in Christianity. Oh, that'll that'll preach for centuries. That'll that'll preach. Right. But when it's told through the lens of just the younger brother, you miss half the story. And are you ready? The whole point of the story. Yeah. Which might play a role in why we have such a high form of religious moralism being taught in and through so many churches. Instead of clinging to the cross of Christ, right? We're seeing a lot of pushing the religion of doing good, Hmm. um, making the church literally obsolete in a world that's drowning in this endless performance of the ideal self. We've missed this story because when Jesus starts the story, he says a man had two sons. He doesn't start the story with a man had a son. Let me tell you about him. Jesus tells a story about a father who had two sons mm-hmm. who were both dying in two different directions, equally dying in two different directions. One dying in his own form of righteousness, the other one dying in his own form of rebelliousness. Mm-hmm. But they were both equally dying in two different directions. Right. And, and neither cared for the father himself. That's neither. what I think people miss yeah. is like. You know, because what was the response from the father to the older brother? He goes, son, I've always been with you. Here I am. I'm here. And you're like, oh my gosh. Just as the younger son came and said, I really don't care about you. I just want the stuff you're going to give me when I die. And this other guy's thinking he's working. To, he had the balls to say like, yo, I wish you were dead. Give it to me now. Yep. He thought he needed to play the long game by doing everything right and get it when he passes away. Like it was something he needed to earn. Neither cared about the father. Yes. Both were only after what they could get and thought that life and meaning and purpose were all found within that. Yeah. Missing the whole heart of the story. So Tim Keller, love him, whether you agree with him solely on everything or not, you know, for those who are listening in, uh, just think uh, modern day C.S. Lewis, uh, you know, a true Bible teacher, theologian, leader, well-respected man in New York City. Yeah. He wrote this. Learned he's a the guy that sort of helped bring this to the forefront for a lot of people, I would say, within the, like the last decade. And saying, no, Jesus says a man, Jesus tells a story about a, about a father who had two sons. And the only prodigal in the story, the only reckless one, he says, in the story is the father. The father is the prodigal. The father right. is the one who pursued both sons with reckless abandonment. The story yeah. is about what God is like, not about what we need to do or not do or who we are. It's about what he's like. Yeah. So if you're looking at the the younger son and you're watching him just like, just spend everything he's spending and using and giving away just everything to the point where he has nothing left. The father in a very similar way, spends his love Mm. wastes and just lavishly just spends and gives away his love to the son who doesn't deserve it. And even the older son to get up from the party, to take your time out of the celebratory moment, to go and walk outside of the party into his anger, into his frustration, right here. There he is again, spending of himself to engage and to initiate Mm. the son. And so you see these, these, these two brothers, these two sons, they're just so dialed in on themselves, man. They're just so dialed in on, on themselves. One is, is giving away his time and his sweat and his energy and his effort. He's spending all that thinking that it's going to get him something. And mm-hmm. the other one, right, is spending all of his father's inheritance and he's wasting his reputation and, and just, you know, compromising his morals and like everything he's grown up on. They're both spending, right? All these guys are both emptying themselves of everything that they have. 
thinking that they're going to get, you know, this thing on either side, this independence on either side. And the whole story, it ends with the period of the father, just he's the one spending. He's the one giving mm-hmm. himself away recklessly in a way that wouldn't make sense to first century Jewish audience. Wait, oh, you're no, running. Dude. Wait, you didn't slap him. You didn't make him, you know, earn his way back. You did it. You just slap. You just put a robe on him and a ring and called for a party and restored him right back to his original position with no punishment. Yep. No judgment. It's like, no, dude, like freaking head explode moment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You just to, to think of like, you know, the way you just put it, he, he does it. He offers him a party instead of a lecture. Mm. He offers him a welcome home instead of a to-do list. Yeah. He offers him half of what he now has. <laughs> the second he walks, yes, literally the crazy. second he embraces him, half of what I have is your son. He, but it, and he doesn't offer him a checklist to go complete so that maybe one day he might be able to get back, I don't know, 10%. Or maybe like in my passing, I'll leave you the guest house. Mm. Dude, think about it like this. He, The son thinks he's in debt and he needs to fill that back up. So I've depleted these resources. Now mm. I need to work as a hired hand to build that back up. And what does the father do? He spends more. <laughs> <laughs> he spends even more. Yeah. Oh, what is the response to you? Just, I liquidated all my assets to give you your inheritance early. What's my response? Well, I think you probably should work for about six years, pay it off. No, actually, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend some more. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, seeing that story through that lens versus what I was taught in Bible college and even preached and taught in churches for probably 15 years prior to grabbing onto this understanding of what I feel like Jesus is actually saying in the story. Because just to be clear, um, a lot of times, like in the church world, we'll preach and teach uh, parables from Jesus. And when we're done, we get this like golf clap at the end of a sermon. People line up at the door and say like, well done, pastor. That was, I mean, that was so good. My, my brother-in-law visited with us this week and he so needed to hear that. <laughs> I love where you're right? going with this. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I know from experience, I got 15 years of experience doing this. And hearing that and thinking, amen, amen, I'm so glad. Jesus tells parables, stories about what God is like. And the religious crowd does not give him a golf clap. Mm-hmm. They don't line up at the door to tell him, thank you. My 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 teenage son was here and I think maybe you got through. No, Jesus tells stories about what God is like. They're called parables. And when he's done, the religious crowd plots his murder. Mm-hmm. And when I started to yeah. see the difference in that, I was like, maybe we're not saying what Jesus is saying. Maybe we're not looking at these parables through the lens of him saying, my purpose in coming was not to condemn. My purpose in coming to the world was to die. Hmm. The world needed resurrection, not improvement. It needed a rescue, not a game plan or some reform to better itself. Yeah. People who are dead need someone in the resurrection business. Nothing else will do. That's why I'm here. I made you because I'm crazy about you and wanted you to live within the dance of the Trinity that's always been. Right. Join the party. Right. I love, the the way, I love the way you're framing it. And I think you could tell it the other way around. I think those who really truly knew that they were foolish, flawed, broken, um, what was their response? It wasn't the plot is murder. Dude, what about the, the woman of the night who crashes the party with the Pharisee? Jesus is there and she comes in. She just busts in, man. She busts in. She's crying. She's got yeah. an expensive. Um, she's got an expensive glass full of oil and perfume that she pours over his feet. She's wiping his feet with her hair and her tears. I mean, it's just an embarrassing moment. It's just a very socially awkward, embarrassing moment for this woman to, to treat Jesus this way. And what is it? Like, what does he say? He goes, man, he's like, 
you know, he turns to the Pharisees who are just like, they're flabbergasted or mm-hmm. even saying things like, well, if he knew who this woman was, he wouldn't be interacting with her like this. Meaning if you knew she was a woman of the night, if you knew she was involved in like, you know, sexual misconduct, you wouldn't be interacting right. with such a woman because you're a rabbi, you're from the Lord, you represent the Lord. You don't have anything to do with broken people. And Jesus is like, no, dude, no, I can't seek and save that which is lost, man. Right. Yes. And I'm going to do this in such a way that it is going to offend every last religious sensibility you have. Yep. It's going to get on every last religious nerve that you, you have. And you see this response, this foolish response, this crazy outlandish response of people who just know they've been rescued. They know they've been loved when they don't deserve it. It's tears. It's rejoicing. It's parties. It's just, I don't care who's watching kind yeah. of a thing. You know what I'm saying? That expression of faith. And there's a couple of different, you know, analogies, um, we can, we can go to one is, um, I, I was thinking about it in terms of, um, I was thinking about it in terms of a business deal. Mm. Um, so I was like, did just a small bit of research. I'm not like a, I, I do some business. I wouldn't say I'm a businessman. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just kind of like fumble my way through life and figure it out as I go. Um, but, um, you know, the anatomy of a business deal, I was looking up on Forbes. It says this, there's three basic components. One is expected return upside potential and downside risk. Mm. Right. So in, if we, if you frame it in terms of the gospel, the good news, right. One party right? This is us. Not only do we bring nothing to the table, but we have astronomical debt. Mm. So we bring, not only are we bringing nothing to the table, we have insane crippling astronomical debt. And the other party not only has everything, but lacks nothing while being asked to take the biggest risk in bringing everything to the table. This is God himself. What needs to be done, right? To rescue the world. So if you look at this, you're looking at expected return, upside potential, downside risk. Well, what's the expected return for God in this deal? What's the expected return for Jesus? Nothing more than what you already had in the fellowship of the Trinity, man. It's not like God was sitting around in eternity past like, oh man, my life sucks. I'm bored. I'm like, I'm like a a kid in a, in an empty field, kicking a can around. Like I got nothing to do. got no one to play with, no one to talk to, you know, like I'm I'm making this investment and see if I can't get something, (laughs) get something out of this deal. Yeah. It's not like he was like, you know, you know, bored or needed a thrill or something like that to, to paint God in that light would be like, okay, he was lacking in some way. Well, what do we know about God? He lacks nothing. Right. He lacks yeah. absolutely I mean, right nothing. there in the beginning. Right. Genesis one, let us make man right woman in our image. Yeah. Right. The beauty of the Trinity, father, son, spirit. It's there. So what's the expected return? Nothing. What's the upside potential? Well, the people I'm dying for are still going to be the kind of people I would need to die for at the end of their lives. <laughs> like, <laughs> say that again. The people that I'm going to go and that, die for are, gonna are still going to be the kind of people I would need to die for at the end of their lives. Their lives. Like, yes. Well, I like, are they going to become superhuman people? Are they going to become like amazing, awesome people? It's like, no, I think they're still going to be like really broken, foolish and flawed still at the end of their, their lives. So it's like, oh, okay, well, well, the first two don't make sense. Well, at least there's no risk, right? Right. Well, you're saying there's no expected return. There's no upside potential. Well, at least there's no risk. Well, um, they're going to require me not just to risk my life, but give it over in death. Mm. And it's like, dude, if you're looking at this from a business perspective, right. A, a perspective of earthly reasoning. Um, if you're thinking that it's foolish, if it's negligent, it's because it is. It's reckless. It doesn't compute from an earthly standpoint. It doesn't compute, which is why Paul spends an entire chapter in first Corinthians telling people, listen, the love of God 
right? The wisdom of God as shown through Jesus. It's actually very foolish according to the world. And he doesn't mean like the world, like in terms of like, oh, people who don't believe he means no, from just a basic human reasoning standpoint, this doesn't compute. Yeah. People who have bought the myth of individualism and the lie that progress is needed and control is possible, which we talked about in our last episode, that's a human nature issue. The Bible refers to it as sin, right? This this, the disease of uh, self-reliance. Okay. So as a result of this, humanity is in love with conditional promises. You do this, you get this. You do well in school, you get good grades. You work hard, right? You make money, you pay your bills, you eat and live indoors. We get this. And I'm not, and we are not in any way opposed to those things and, and how things within the world works or, right, that you need you know, and how these, you know, these things function. That said, when we apply that to what God is like and how we come alive in him and what life looks like in him forever, Hmm. that's where it all gets distorted. And I think that's why we're so quick to look at things as you just did a great job, man, of unpacking like this business sort of view on, you know what I mean? Like what he's done. It doesn't mean that he's reckless, like he's fumbling around trying to, you know what I mean? Make something happen here. Right. He seems to be pretty on point in knowing exactly what he's doing why he's doing it and how he's going to accomplish it. Yeah. But it's still foolishness to us. Right. Because we are in love with the conditional. We are in love with anything we can measure, map, and manage for our own fame and fortune. And we don't know what to do, man, with this, basically this indiscriminate grace of God poured out for all. And then him looking at us and saying it's inexhaustible. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, just to throw a bone really quick to the crew who would err on the side of like, no, like God is very like purposeful. He's, he's, he's the only, un, he's uncreated. Um, you know, the gospel is a plan, right? The plan to bring about crisis was, this was a plan that, you know, that uh, God cooked up um, and, you know, brought brought him about in the world and is unfolding something even greater in the future. The, the, you know, the making new, the renewal of all things. I get that. I totally get that from that perspective because they're trying to view like theology or do theology from the top down, right? They're trying Mm -hmm. to get into the mind of God back into eternity past. They're trying to like see it from God's perspective. And yeah, dude, like it is very, very purposeful, man. We have prophecies about Christ and you know what I'm saying? Like all this kind of stuff, even the way you described him telling parables, like Jesus knows exactly, you know, what he's doing. And so, you know, you have this like top down approach, but then some people argue, oh, okay, well let's do theology. No, we need to do it from the bottom up because when you do it from the top down, it's, it's too aloof. It's too ethereal. It's too removed. It's too other. Um, and, but you can also say from the bottom up, like if you're, if we're down here and we're just like imagining God by every winds and waves of our feeling and our imagination, yes. right. We're just eventually going to result in the invention of the God of our fallen imaginations. And I think a good compromise or a good middle ground is just to say, we need to just trust Jesus and how he's explaining who God is, right? Who he is as God in the flesh. And we need to do so though, with our feet on the ground, with the truth in hand that we are objects of his love. You know what I'm saying? So if you try to get an eternity past and get in the mind of God, yeah, I could see how the word reckless, it would offend you, but as a lost sheep, how would I respond if a shepherd risked losing 99 other sheep in the middle of an open field yeah. to just like safely wrap me around his, his neck and carry me back home? I would freaking lose it, dude. I would yeah. cry. I would lose it. I would be overwhelmed. 
And I would ask myself, why would you love me like this? Because I know the truth about myself and I'm not a lovely person. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm someone who, who, who Jesus needs to die for. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a great point, man. You know, I think when you, when you stand with your feet on the ground and, and start to view him through how he has declared himself yeah. instead of what we think should yep. be. You not only do you start to rejoice in this, but some like some things to me started to make sense as a leader, you know, seeing all these things probably for about seven, maybe seven years ago now and going, wow. So that's why Romans says it's the kindness of God that leads mm. to repentance. And the word repent just means to change your mind. Yeah. To turn. Okay. For, for anyone who's wondering what that word means, it means to, it literally means to, to change one's mind, to stop thinking and believing what we're thinking and believing that's false and start mm-hmm. thinking and believing what is true. But again, he says, it's the kindness. It's, it's this prodigal father, which again, literally means reckless father, reckless papa, who has pursued us with reckless abandonment in such a way that he gives his very own life for us. It's an act that cannot be undone. Yeah, Evil itself and all that is wrong in the world that we hate, all that is wrong in our own souls, right? Yeah. The, the things that we don't say out loud, the the, the things that we feel and think that we don't voice to other people, you know, like the real us, just to be clear. Yeah. He sees all that. And he knows all that. And yet none of these things that we've done to others or have been done to us, none of these things can undo a father who comes right in the form of the son and gives his life for the world. Colossians 1 saying, making peace by the blood of his cross, reconciling all things. He says, bringing back all things into this reality. Hmm. And he goes, nothing will undo it. Nothing can ever change it. Nothing. Can't put it back in the tube, man. Nope. <laughs> Can't put it back in the tube. Nope. It's, it, it's out. It's it, so there good. it is. It's so good. I want I want to end it on that point because it was it was so awesome. But I just had one thought I, I wanted to share. It's like you look at this son and he's just squandering right as inheritance. Like he's spending it like there's no end. Yeah. Um, except that it does come to an end. He literally runs out of money. And the only job you can find is, you know, tending, you know, to pigs. And it's so and then bad having for to him. sleep with them at night. <laughs> yeah, and it's so bad for him. He's like looking at what they're eating and it like becomes desirable to him, right? What's crazy is that God spends his love as if there's no end because there is no end. And here's a cool distinction I heard from somebody recently. Mm. God, God doesn't spend his love because he's got a lot of love to spend. He actually can just recklessly um and lavishly spend love because he is it. God is love. He has yeah. an endless supply of love because it's it's his heart. It's his character. It's who, it's who he is. I've often, and tell me if you thought of this, Russ, like, you know, you, you live life and, and you just, you're well acquainted with your failures and you get to this honest point. I've been walking with the Lord, like, like believing in him, you know what I'm saying? Like, wa- like wanting to have a relationship with him, tell others about him, wanting to know him, loving, being known by him. And I've had real honest moments where I'm just like, man, how do you stomach me? You know, like how do you just <laughs> how do you just remain committed to me? Yeah. How do you do that? And the only answer you could say is like, dude, there's something very deep in his heart about who he actually is, not something he has like legally decided to do, but it's who he is. He loves. Mm. Yeah, he loves us and even those that we don't love. Right? <laughs> that's where it really whoa, starts to whoa, get whoa, tricky. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because I think that's kind of where the moralism, man, like creeps into all this is before long, you become the older brother whether you're on the right or the left. 
or someone who's saying, I'm about neither. You know, it's really easy to become this, this person who starts to stand on what it is that I know and do. And therefore this makes me right. Mm. And so you start to begin looking down at others and you also really quickly start creating God in your image yeah. as someone who's on your side, who needs to come in and make things right. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it with cancel culture or we're going to do it with correction culture. And I mean, we can get into all that, but as we've already seen, um, neither actually results in any type of real true change, right? The change it produces is counterfeit. Right. It's ultimately truly about us at its mm-hmm. core, our fame, our fortune, our significance, our security, whatever you want to throw in the camp. That's what it ultimately is about. Yeah. And so out of it, you get something that might look good and noble, but it's counterfeit as in not worth anything of no value. Yeah. I like the, 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 the distinction plastic you made. society. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Fakes plastic. Totally love that. There's so much to say about that because it is a reality. Um, but I like what you said about like the familiarity, like you're yeah. like, you, you're so, you're so close to this thing. Like you, you, you forget the sweetness of it, the goodness of it. You be, and mm. you become familiar. And it's like, how did this older brother live every day with his dad on his dad's property, doing the good works of his dad, you know, like eating, eating the meals prepared, you know, from this father and experiencing everything that he has and get to a place where he's just like thinking like, oh yeah, who cares about my dad? I just want your inheritance or you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you just you like you could totally look over this dad. Like this dad sounds pretty freaking awesome in this parable, man. Yeah. You know? And it's like, yeah, we have such a tendency to forget. And that's what I think I love about just the simple gathering he's invited us into. Like if you're sitting here thinking like, well, what is the church? Like how does the church form and gather? There's some real simple things he's given us. Communion's one of them, which is just a weekly meal. Do this as often as we gather where we just lift a cup and we right, we lift this bread, this food yep. together, and all we do is just what Jesus said: "Remember me," yep. because we have such a tendency to grow familiar, mm. and the good news becomes familiar news. And so, I think I just want to encourage my friends who I love, who I, I know some people who are concerned about you know us using this word word reckless. Can I ask you to just just consider, man? Maybe has this good news like has it become familiar to you? Mm. Have, are you are you have you grown? Have you become so close to it, you know, that you almost forget how potent it is, how awesome it is, how amazing it is. It's, it's amazing grace, not meh grace. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. It's not all right, grace. It's not all right, grace. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, man. It's amazing. It is. So, hey, man, let me do this. Um, I want to read something really quick. It'll take about one minute. I'm going to read it because this author is going to say it better than I could ever say it. And I want to share this with our audience just to kind of close out our time here, man, of just talking about, hey, uh, if you're wondering why we chose the word reckless to describe the grace, the working of God in our lives, not just in times past, right? But forever, the day to day, the moment by moment. That's what we mean when we talk about grace. We don't just mean like, oh yeah, what he did long ago. No, we're talking about that every moment, every aspect of life in him. Sure. This really, I feel like ties in and especially for those that might still be a little bit on the fence, because I know I've got some good brothers and sisters out there. Some have gone left, some have gone right, um, but they're definitely wrestling with right what Jesus is saying and why he's saying it this way. So let me read this before we cheers. Or is it cheer? Probably cheer. Cheer. Cheers. Yeah, I don't know. I think together, you and I, throughout the, the history, the, the ongoing of this podcast, we're, we're going to learn uh, proper English. <laughs> So definitely not going to happen. An old theologian said in his parables, 
Jesus offered no scrap to confirm our present view of salvation. If he had, we would see grace as a way back to the sovereignty of the law. Okay, we would see grace as a way back to getting our act together. Grace as a temporary suspension of the rules to help people get serious about what God had in mind. You know, you watching your step. In our obsession with the myth of control, we fail to see that we needed something more than a temporary suspension of the rules or some strategy for overcoming our struggles. To be brought from death, to be brought from the death of self-reliance into the life of sweet dependence on Jesus, we need a grace that says nothing about the rules other than that they are for our good, remain intact, and because of our weakness, they will never be the basis for our acceptance. Hmm, He's dude. just that good. And the more we grab onto that, the more we see him for who he truly is, the more we will start to rest in what Jesus has really done. Amen. I Amen. love that. So until next time, cheers. Cheers. having technical troubles that means he's <laughs> gonna get on and be pissed and complaining about that yep oh he's gonna be so mad <laughs> he's an angry little oh there he is there he is there he is something wrong with my computer yeah. wouldn't let my video access zoom made me oh, exit out by you do what i said yeah there's something wrong with your computer it's owned by you <laughs> that's yeah. the problem that is the problem Tech expert, tech support, geek squad, Tony Sorcy. <laughs> yes. I don't think I'm much better. <laughs> that uh try to get on it's like, yeah, you uh you don't have any camera access to Zoom now. I'm like, uh what? <laughs> Opened up the preferences, it's like you gotta click this button. I'm like, well, who the hell unclicked it? <laughs> And it's making me exit out of everything. Asking me for a password. I'm like, password? Apparently, there's a password to your computer. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. So I'm just like, what is Apparently what's going on? Password. Here? He got this far before he ever had to put in a password on his computer. <laughs> <laughs> it's not cool, is it? Not cool at all. It's not cool. I'm not a fan. Zero out of 10 cools. Yes. <laughs> Zero out of 10. Would not buy. Would not recommend. Yeah. What do you think about these MacBooks? Hell no. <laughs> Why? Apparently there's a password in them things. It's always getting in the way of your progress. I got stuff to do, man. I don't need buttons popping up, asking me questions of things that I don't know. <laughs>